The Catalyst Center for Business and Entrepreneurship provides free resources to help you foster your business's success. You can participate in one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, impactful workshops, and many other relevant events that will enable you to succeed throughout your journey. The Catalyst is right for you whether you want to start a business, grow one, learn to thrive within government contracting, or accelerate your women-owned business. Remember, your success is our success. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catalyst Conversation podcast. My name is Belle Burley. I'm an intern here at the Catalyst. And today I'm joined by Christopher Cook from Anglin Reichman Armstrong, CPA firm. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you on the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about some research and development. So would you mind telling us a little bit about what you do, what Anglin Reichman does? And yeah, I'll hand it over to you. Sure. Yeah. So we're a, a full service um, CPA firm. We do kind of traditional tax services. We do audit and accounting solutions work um, and really anything specialized within those fields. So I do traditional tax services, but I also specialize in um, business tax credits and incentives. So, you know, those extra tax savings opportunities for companies who, you know, want to keep the money inside the business and reinvest and avoid paying taxes that they're not required to. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So um, I'm going to be interviewing you from a point of ignorance. I don't know much at all about um, tax credits and business incentives and research and development. So I'm going to be learning a lot about this along with our our listeners. So um, I'm just going to throw a lot of like very basic questions at you. So let's just jump right in. So first, what all does research and development entail? Perfect. So great question. I think this is a good place to start because even within the business community and business owners, I think a lot of people may have heard the R&D tax credit. They've they've heard the words, they've seen it in the news, um, you know, news report or something, but they don't know exactly what it means. And they probably discount it and say this that doesn't, we don't do any research and development. Um, but if you kind of dig into what the IRS defines as research and development, I think it's probably a little broader than, you know, initially people might think. Um, so within the code section, you can kind of boil down what the definition of research and development is for purposes of the tax credit into what we always refer to as the four-part test. So we're always trying to check these four boxes. And if you can say yes to these, then you're actually doing R&D activities for purposes of the credit, even if at first glance, it might seem like you're, you don't believe you're doing R&D. So the first um, factor in the four-part test is that the work has to be technological in nature. Usually this is the easiest question to ask if you're doing something that's based in the hard sciences or not. So we're looking for things that are um, physics, biology, chemistry, engineering, computer science, um, Anything like that, that like we consider the hard sciences, you got to be working in that realm to claim this tax credit. Anything that could be considered social sciences or soft sciences or management sciences are kind of outside of the credit, um, what the, the type of work that the credit is meant to incentivize. The second part is that um, you have to have an identifiable business component. So it's, it's not enough to say, generally, we our employees come to work and they do R&D, you actually have to be able to kind of draw the connection between the hours that they spent, the costs that they incurred, um, 
to a specific business component that they are either creating from scratch or improving something existing. Now that something that can be pretty broad. That can be a new product or widget that you can you think of in like a manufacturing industry sense, or it can be a new technique, a new process, a new recipe. Um, it can be that we're taking existing technologies, but we're putting them together in a new way that they've never been integrated like this before. And so, you know, we're creating those new things or it's, it's an existing one of those systems or products and we're improving things like reliability, performance, efficiency, anything like that. So we're either creating something new or improving something existing. The third part, actually the last two parts, the four part test, I always think of them in tandem because I think they're really, um, they're trying to get to the same, same issue in two different ways. And that's the idea of technical uncertainty. So the third component is that you, there must be a technical uncertainty with the job that you're eliminating through the process of your design and, and engineering and research um, efforts. And what they're trying to eliminate with this part is that the final answer, the most appropriate design where you're going to land at the end of the day, isn't known to you at the beginning. It doesn't mean that you might think that you're going to fail. You might have utmost confidence in your team and your expertise, but the end result isn't known to you because you did the identical project four years ago. You know, we look at the current year and you have to be kind of pushing the envelope in a sense that you're eliminating that uncertainty and you're, you're getting to the final answer. And so the fourth component of the four-part test, as I mentioned before, I think is after the same, um, you know, the same general idea that we're not recreating something we've done in the past. The efforts that will qualify for the credit must involve some sort of process of experimentation. You're trying out new things. You're choosing between two or more alternatives on, you know, which materials are best suited for this, which is the most appropriate design to get the results that we're, we're after. So those four parts, again, are, it has to be technological in nature. You have to have an identifiable business component of what it is that you're creating or improving. There has to be an element of technical uncertainty that you're eliminating throughout the process. And you have to use some sort of a process of experimentation. So if you think about this in a traditional manufacturing industry, um, it would work, it would look like this, you know, it starts with the idea or the concept, and then maybe we have a meeting, we talk about what it is that we're trying to create. We draw some sketches, maybe we build a prototype and then we test it out. It doesn't get the results that we're looking for. We rework the design, rework the prototype. And we do that however many iterations of that are required. And eventually we get to, yes, this is the final design. We're ready to move into mass production. And that tipping point when we've proven the design and we're moving into mass production, that's at the that's when the R&D efforts end. Anything before that time in, in the timeline would be that process of eliminating the technical uncertainty. And those would be the efforts and dollars and expenses that we're trying to capture for the R&D tax credit. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask, like, what all does this have to do with accounting? But it kind of seems very, like, upfront, like, doing all of this research to make sure, like, you know, the business in and out to know, like, what kind of tax credits and business incentives it can, it can qualify for. Yeah, absolutely. So the accounting part of it for this one specifically is um, the credit is based on your expenses. So it's not, it's not a credit that's calculated based on the revenue okay. that you're generating. It's how many dollars you're spending um, 
doing this research and development work. And so, I mean, at its simplest form, when it was first introduced by Congress back in the early 80s, it was meant this credit was introduced to incentivize people to create new things and push the envelope and kind of oh. you know increase that American ingenuity. So the government, logically, they're kind of subsidizing some of those costs to take away some of your risk to allow you to try new things and hopefully have a breakthrough of innovation. I love that. It's incentivizing creativity and innovation. I love that. Um, so how can this benefit a business? Yeah. So that's usually the first question we get, you know, <laughs> so if you think that you're doing anything in this, in this space, like anything that kind of meets those four tests, four part test, then you can, you know, you have to start quantifying those uh, activities. So you look for your labor costs, your direct supplies costs. If you're paying somebody else to kind of participate in your R&D efforts, a uh, th- third party, that contract um, contract research, you want to look in and evaluate and gather up all those expenses. And, you know, in general terms, um, however many dollars of qualifying expenses you can identify, you can expect a credit, a tax credit that's in the range of, you know, between six and 10% of that number. And a tax credit, um, another question we get, you know, what is the difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit? A tax deduction is any expense that you have that you, you know, you put in your profit and loss statement that arrives at taxable net income at the end. So if I have $100,000 in taxable net income, and now I've got a $10,000 R&D expense, well, I've reduced my net income by $10,000. And so the tax benefit of that is whatever my tax rate is times $10,000. So, you know, maybe that $10,000 of expense turns into $2,500 of tax savings because I've reduced taxable net income. Well, a tax credit is actually a dollar for dollar reduction of um, your tax liability. So a $10,000 tax credit actually is $10,000 of tax savings. So that's extra money that the company saves. You can keep that uh, to reinvest in the company you know, and kind of continue on these efforts. And that's exactly what, it, you know, to the point we were just talking about, that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to incentivize, subsidize some of these costs to allow you to keep some cash available to continue these type of efforts. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. You talk specifically like a lot about tax credits and then deductions is a whole different thing, but like, and then a business incentive, is that different or do those fall under incentives? Yeah, I would say the credits definitely fall under an incentive, you know, but one important thing to kind of keep in mind here when you're searching for all these different ways to invest in your company and make sure that you're taking advantage of all these different incentives is to remember that basically the R&D tax credit, which is a focus of what we're talking about this morning, you know, that's an income tax Mm -hmm. credit, but there's also other things out there to be aware of, um, the past couple of years, the employee retention tax credit has been a big deal. That's a payroll mm-hmm. tax credit. There's also things out there where there might be um, property tax abatements or incentives out there. So a lot of like economic development councils and your local jurisdictions, they're interested in bringing in business to Huntsville or Alabama or whatever region you're in. And they might, you know, cut you a break on property taxes if you're increasing your headcount. We're creating these new jobs or we're putting out a big capital investment to uh, introduce a new facility. So anytime that you're kind of growing, 
it might be worth reaching out to whoever the local um, development council is to see if if there's anything there. Um, and this is something that you know you know your CPA maybe you know maybe they have good connections there. Maybe they're aware of some of these things. But you can also, for instance, the Alabama Department of Web uh, Alabama Department of Revenue website has a page there that's income tax incentives. And it's got, you can kind of scroll down and see if any of this stuff sounds like it applies to the kind of work that you're doing. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is making a lot more sense. So like, how do I, how do I get these? How does a business get these for themselves? Does it, is it very like variable based on what type of business one's operating or like, is there like a standard process to go through to like apply for all these incentives? Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like each one of these has a different process to go through. Okay. So some of them might be some of them might be really simple um, and you can just kind of check the box and say, we qualify for that and we're going to claim the credit on our income tax return. Some of them require you to apply for them up front. And then once you're approved, then you can, you know, receive that credit as a, a check in the mail or, you know, apply it to your income taxes. It kind of varies depending on which credit that you're applying for. Okay. So for instance, the R&D tax credit, which is kind of the, as I mentioned, you know, that's kind of what we're focusing mm -hmm. on here. Um, it's claimed on the corporate tax return, but the big um, effort there is kind of documenting where the numbers came from. So you want to make sure that you've got in your file, here's the narrative behind the kind of work we do. Here's the four-part test that we talked about. Here's all the different ways that we qualify. And also here's the methodology that we use to take those expenses, our total total labor costs, and then pick out a portion of them that are R&D eligible uh, labor costs. And so you want to make sure that that methodology and documentation is all spelled out so that if the credit claim is ever challenged, you can kind of show them here's our logic and methodology and, and defend the credit that way. Okay. So um, England Reichman Armstrong does a lot of like government contracting stuff. So does this whole research and development side, does that apply to that too? Like, do you work a lot with um, government contractors? We do. Um, and especially, you know, within the aerospace or missile defense area, or there's a lot of people who are, you know, checking those four boxes pretty easily. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of work we do. Now, the, the added complication in the government contracting space is it really depends on what your... Um, if this R&D work is being done under contract for a customer or if it's done internally as an uh, internal R&D mm, project. Okay. And the, dis the distinction there is if you're doing it for a customer, there's kind of some extra hoops you have to jump through to see if you're eligible. Um, technically, if the efforts are funded by a third party or the government, then they're not eligible to um, claim this tax credit because there, the logic there is they're saying you're not the one who's at risk. You're being paid for by a, this. All these efforts are paid for by a customer. And so, you know, your customer might be the one who's taking a gamble here. So that's the person we're incentivizing with the credit. Now, that particular topic of if it's funded or unfunded has been litigated through a lot of court mm -hmm. cases. And um, you definitely need to look at the contract language on a case by case basis. But as a generality, if you're working under a firm fixed price contract, then there's still an opportunity possibly to claim the um, R&D tax credit because you are the one who is bearing the financial risk of failure. 
if you are working under a TNM, uh, you know, time and materials contract or a cost plus contract, any of these cost reimbursable arrangements with a customer in the government contracting space, it's going to be a lot um, harder argument to make that you are at risk yeah. and that you are el- eligible to take the credit. So, you know, when we're advising people on this, we try to steer clear of the TNMs and the cost plus and let our clients know this is, we think this is a, a riskier claim and harder to defend. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have learned a lot about research and development today. Um, I have one final question. How can this specifically be used to grow my business and increase profitability? Well, like not just mine, but like for our listeners, like how can this, how can this benefit them? Yeah. At, at the simplest version, it's, it's cash that it's an expense that you don't have to pay meaning taxes. Mm -hmm. And so that's extra dollars that you get to keep in the company and you have more, you get to choose what those dollars go to instead of having the tax bill. So if I lower my tax bill by a hundred grand, you know, maybe that's an extra person or two that I can hire. Maybe that's extra equipment that I can invest in and invest in the future. A lot of people, you know, they think of taxes, you know, everybody wants to pay their fair share, but not pay any more than that. So if, if you're doing the type of work that this credit is meant to incentivize, you should definitely take advantage of it. Keep the dollars in the company, allow yourself to be the business owner and decision maker that, that you are and choose where those dollars go instead of, you know, having to rely on the indirect benefits of paying into the government for taxes and hoping that that comes back to your company, the indirect route. Wow. Okay. So thank you so much for giving us some clarity on like how um, small businesses can save money with just simple things like filing for these like little tax credits. Um, is there anything else you'd like to include about what your firm can can do to help small businesses? Yeah, I guess um, I would say, obviously, within the interpretation of the four-part test or the question of funding that we went through, there's there's some area in there that's open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. If, if one of your listeners feels like they have a pretty good grasp on it, but they'd like a a double check or some clarification on some of that, or if they're, they're making a judgment call and they want to bounce it off us and see if we have any ideas or if there's any prior court cases that have already addressed the topic that's in question, they're welcome to give us a call. Um, They can reach out to me and we can kind of just, have a 10, 15 minute call and talk through that and see if there's, you know, if there's any way we can help add clarity to the question that they have. Awesome. And um, for everyone listening, um, his information along with information from Anglin Reichman Armstrong will be linked in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us about this and um, everyone, thank you all for listening. And I really hope that this is reaching the right audience and helping some people out. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.